Thank God. Well, last week, um, we, uh, we had a message called Keep Your Eye on the Fence Post. We'll get, we'll get, a, we'll, um, get to why that was called that here in a moment. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9.24. We're going to follow up. I had some things specifically on my heart this morning, which I'll touch on in a moment uh, concerning that. But just to go a little bit further and talk about some things related to that. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It will be a blessing to you. Uh, and we're going to follow up on that. We're not going to say everything we said last week, but you'll get the gist of it, and, and, and you'll be fine this morning. But I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It will be a blessing to you. 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Do you not know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself, himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessings that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a bo boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming it, proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be approved, and rejected as a counterfeit. So we read this, and another one I want to read, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1. 12 and 1 and 2, we'll read this, and then we'll come back to it. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we'll come back to that. Let's go back to the other, um, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 9, and let's start in verse 25. It says, Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. And the Amplified just the, the, the current Amplified, verse 25 says, Now every athlete who, who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. And so we talked about that some, sometimes when we see that, especially you know in, in context, he's talking about an athlete going into training and you see disciplined and temperately and restricts himself. But... Uh, you know, this means in everything, but the thing we are emphasizing is 
sure, that has application when you're, you know, you're working out or you're, you're studying hard or something. But, you know, there's the, the, the broader things in life that you're disciplining yourself to do things, but also not to do things, not to get involved in things, not to pick up things, to put down certain things, because you're focused on something, you're focused on the ultimate purpose of your life, and you're, per you're focused on where you're headed. So there are certain things that just won't be helpful. Now, we're going to get back to Hebrews, but I want to put up in just a moment, we put up this picture. I'll go ahead, just go ahead and put it up, because a lot of you are familiar, if you can go ahead and put up the, the fence post picture, and I'll describe it. So this is a painting that was given, actually, to you know, our, our regional director, Pastor Sam Smucker, pastored um, Worship Center in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for 40 years, and when he was um, transitioning, you know, he goes around and travels and speaks a lot now, but when he was transitioning out of the pastorate, a friend of his, who actually is the owner of Sight and Sound Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, Glenn Eshelman, he, he painted this picture for Pastor Sam. And uh, it's a beautiful picture, and it, it was sitting there, so I took a picture of it. This was six years ago. Um, and what it is, is uh, Pastor Sam grew up Amish. So he grew up in, uh, in Amish country in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you know, a lot of, uh, don't use a lot of technology, and, uh, you know, very austere, just very um, serious people. And, and uh, this was, is a picture of Pastor Sam's dad, the man on the left, teaching Pastor Sam how to plow. And they would literally have mules and still do. They have the mules, a team of mules there. And then Pastor Sam's there in the, um, the blue, uh, the, the, the darker blue shirt on the plow. And his dad is teaching him how to plow a straight row. And the, what he told him, he's pointing to the distance. And you may not be able to see in the picture, but out there by the sun, at the end of the, all the, the rows are fence posts lined up there. And what he's telling Pastor Sam as a young boy is, keep your eye on the fence post. He said, that's how you plow a straight row. You keep your eye on where you're going, and that'll steady you and keep the whole row straight. If you start looking at the ground in front of you, it's, the, the row's going to be all over the place. But if you'll keep your eye on where you're headed, then it will keep you. It will be a straight row, and you'll accomplish what you set out to do. And just a great illustration. So that that plaque at the bottom that you can't see right under the frame says, "Keep your eye on the fence post." And so we talked about this in different areas. There's something specific though I want to follow up on and uh, emphasize. You can leave that. Uh, you can put that back up when we talk in a moment, but I want you to put up the scripture now. Hebrews 12.1, which we just read, this came up and, and a couple of words came up that I want to emphasize this morning. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, referring to those that have gone on before us, that are already on in heaven, that are cheering us on, it says, so we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and, every, and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race 
that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now I want to uh, get to what I want to emphasize here in a minute, but I want to point out something else. It says, um, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, aside, let us lay aside in, uh, every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Real quick, we're going to hold our place there. We're going to come back to that. But I want you to notice 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 24. Go back and put that up right the very first scripture we had. I want you to notice this too. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, Do you know that, that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Notice it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? This is talking about a race where there's many people uh, competing. But go put that up in the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, or 24 in the Amplified. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. See, this is talking about giving a general illustration, but he says it's your race that you're running. Well, in your race that you're running, there is only one person running it. You're not competing against anybody else. The race before God, you are running your race. Okay, you're not, you're not competing against your neighbor. You're not in competing against somebody you saw on TV. You're not competing against somebody that you know that might be a dear friend. Everybody has a different set of circumstances, a different calling, and God has a certain race for you, and you need to know that and then run your race. Amen. That right there, if you don't understand that, you can get tripped up really early on or later on. Because you, you start looking at somebody else. Well, number one, you're not looking at where you're supposed to go. You certainly aren't keeping your eye on the fence post. Because if you're looking at somebody else, you're not keeping your eye on Jesus. And you know. I mean, I, I, didn't, I wasn't in track. I played soccer, played baseball, played tennis. And I did do a track actually a little bit. I know enough that if you're running in a race and you're looking at everybody else, you're not going to be running the way you ought to. If you're looking to the person next, that is taking energy from you. That is, that is messing with your stride. There's no way you're going to do what you're supposed to do when you're looking at somebody else. You've got to keep your eye on where you're going, and you need to know that you have a unique race to run, and it is between you and God Almighty. And yes, you run with people. And, and as a side thing, you're not supposed to be running alone. You're supposed to be with a group of believers. You're supposed to be with other people, but you're not competing against them. You're not running against them. But you have people that are running with you. But they're not your opposition. <laughs> Let me say that again. Other Christians are not your opposition. 
and they're not your competition. They're not your standard. The Word of God is your standard, and Jesus is our example. You know, when you start looking at somebody else, one of two things, are you're going to get your eye on somebody else, one or two things are going to happen. You, if, if you're doing it wrong, you shouldn't be looking at somebody. You're going to get puffed up because, well, I'm doing better than them. Or you're going to get deflated because, well, I can't do it like them. Either, both of them are wrong. They're both incorrect. You need to keep your eye on the Lord Jesus. He's a standard that you can only strive to attain to. You're not going to attain it in this life. We have been created like him, but you're not going to walk perfectly as him. You're not going to arrive in this life. There's nobody I know, nobody has arrived. You're, it's a process. We are being sanctified. We are running after God. So you don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing. We have plenty to, to keep us busy just looking at Jesus and doing what he told us to do. It, it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. So it's an individual race, and you do what you need to do to complete your race. Now let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 1, and I want to bring something out uh, this morning. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great, a, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Look at it in the Amplified uh, Classic. It says, therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So two words that I want to emphasize this morning in the, in the context. We're talking about you keep your eye on the fence post. I want to talk about weights and distractions. Weights and distractions. This this this. Uh, portion of scripture said, let us strip off, lay aside every unnecessary weight. And then it says, let us look away from every distraction to Jesus. So weights are things that you don't need to complete your race. Okay, it also talks about sin and, you know, we shouldn't be involved in sin and we could talk about that as well. Of course, don't get, sin can entangle you. That will, of course, just derail. That will derail your race, okay? But I want to emphasize the weights and distractions because these things are subtle. And what can be right for someone else in this area could be unhelpful for you. It says unnecessary weight. Before we go on, let's, let's look at this in a few different um, versions. NLT, 
Hebrews 12, 1 in the NLT says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Every weight that slows us down. In the NIV, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. In the CEB, it says, let us throw off any extra baggage. Now, you can see really clearly from this, you just see the connotations, you're talking about things that are hindering. You're talking about things that are extra baggage. You're talking about unnecessary weight. That, by definition, is different for different people. Just think of it in, in activities or sports. Okay, if, if somebody is a mountain climber, there are certain things that are necessary for them. If they're going to, you know, climb Mount Everest, which I have not done. <laughs> Only heard about it. You don't go out in a T-shirt and shorts and your tennis shoes and that's it. You might be super light and ready to go. You're also going to die. Right? There is certain equipment you must have. It's not optional for that course. It's not optional, optional for that race, if you want to say. It's not op optional for, if we're talking about calling, for that calling. Not talking about that specific, but in life. There are certain things that you need for certain callings and certain paths that you don't need for others. You know, you look at swimmers. Again, not a swimmer. Just seen it on the Olympics. They're so concerned with drag on their body that they'll shave. You know, the men are shaving every, every bit of hair on their body so that there's no there's the least amount of resistance that there can possibly be in the water. And they wear the little, you know, uh, head, head things to, to put down their hair and just so that everything is streamlined. Yes. You know, and they're just wearing shorts and a head thing, goggles, any, all the hair in different parts of the body is gone. You go out in the mountain like that, you are certainly going to die. You're not going to even be comfortable. So you're getting rid of everything that's going to hinder when you're in the water, when you're doing that activity. But if you, vice versa, if you try to jump in the water with all the gear that it's going to take to climb a mountain, you're going to have a hard time even staying afloat. You're not going anywhere. Those are, that's so obvious to us. But in our race as Christians, people are all the time looking at somebody else going, well, they're doing this. They have this. I should too. And if we would just use the same amount of sense, because natural things are a lot alike spiritual things, except it's so easy to get gummed up because, I, you know, I don't know, people spiritualize stuff in a, in a non-helpful way. When if we would just apply it, not, there's not parallels in every area, but, you know, you talk about so many things spiritually. It's the same naturally. Spiritual food. The Bible is, is nourishment to us. It is food for us. It is bread to us, just like natural food is. Well, when we look at, at natural or spiritual things, 
if we would apply some of the things that we know that we would never do in the natural, but somehow we'll start doing it in the spiritual. You look at somebody else that's got a completely different path, completely different calling, and think, I ought to do that too. And it may be very unhelpful for what you're doing. Not only unhelpful, it'll actually hinder you. Because in our example, either way, if you, it, some things that you're stripping off in one sense, if you're stripping off, you take that literal, just strip off everything, doesn't matter what, you're, you're not necessarily going to be fit for uh, what you need to do. Another example related to that, you know, the swimmer may be stripping off every weight as far as physically, but you know something they're actually putting on or putting in a lot of? Calories. Thousands and thousands of calories. That is unhelpful for most of us. I mean, literally, like, down a whole pizza, down just 8,000 calories just to be ready. But they're expending this a tremendous amount of energy. And they, they can, they're, they're physically fit, so they can eat all that stuff because it's going to be burned, and it's necessary for them to have the energy. So that's something that they're putting on. And if we go, world-class athlete, gold medals can do that. Man, I'm going out to eat tonight. I can eat 8,000 calories because, after all, they, I mean, that's like three days, four days meal, meals for, for most people. They eat that like in a day. Seriously. Well, that's not helpful for you and me. For the majority of people, that's just not a helpful way. Now, you look at them, they've stripped all the exterior weights, but they're doing that. Well, that's not helpful. Again, it, you know, the mountain climber, he stripped, he's going to add all this stuff because he needs it. Same way that the swimmer is adding the calories, the mountain climber is adding all this equipment because it's necessary for his survival. He can't get by on nothing. And then he can't bring 8,000 calories a day. For the, there's no way. He, doesn't, he can't carry it. So he's got the opposite problem. He needs to streamline what he actually needs to survive. So when we are looking at our, our race, when we're, we are going through life, we need to strip off, and I want to focus on that part. We need to strip off unnecessary weights and eliminate distractions for what we're doing. And those things, here's the thing, they're not necessarily, they're not, in fact, this says weights and then it says sin. They're not sin. So you can't go, that's wrong, cross the board, you can't do that. It, there's nothing wrong with a backpack, which is not going to help you in the water. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with eating, but you eat too much, you're not going to burn it, Problem. So unfortunately, with some of the way we want it, there's not this playbook that says, thou shalt wear your backpack. You're going to have to get that by what the Word of God says generally and by the Holy Spirit leading you. Amen. You're going to have to know, because and nobody else knows where you're going, headed. Nobody else knows your path. Who do you get your path from? God. So who can tell you what you need and you don't need and what you need to do and what you don't do and what's going to be a hindrance and what's going to be a help to you? 
the Lord. Well, that puts some responsibility on us. Because we can only get our path from Him. And only He can tell you at any given time what you need to lay aside. This is not helping you. This won't help you. And it may look short-term like it's going to help you, but when you look out in the, the distance, when you say, that's, that's where I'm going, certain things are going to be a hindrance. They're going to be a weight that hinders, or they're going to be a distraction that can get you off your path. Certain things are not a distraction to some people. They do it, and it's part of who they are, and it's okay for them to do in their life. But for you, it could be a distraction, constantly hindering. And then you go, yeah, but so-and-so does it. That's not the question. That's not, that doesn't help you. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything, actually. Well, they're doing really well, and they're going on this, and it actually is helping them. Again, doesn't mean anything for you. What are you supposed to If this trips you up, you have a different path. There's something that you, you come from a certain background, you come from a certain path, you come from a certain family upbringing, and there's certain things just when you're involved just become a hindrance to you, but other people have a zero problem. Again, not talking about sin, just talking about what we do. Activities, whatever, uh, uh, things that we spend our time on. We're going to need to go to God and, and uh, know and be led on what those things are. But we also know there's just so many distractions and things that the world is trying to sell us and telling us that this is okay. That you should be doing this. That you should be spending your time here. That you should be doing more. And you need this. And if you don't have this, then you are, you are not successful. And so we have all that to wade through, and that's why we have to be careful what we're putting in and, and viewing ourselves because that influences how we see the world. It's subtle. You get an idea that I should, I should have that. Well, can, number one, what's the source? Who's telling you you should have that? Who's telling you you should you live your life like Who's telling you this is normal to do? Well, everybody does this if they really want such and such. Says who? What does the Bible say? What is the example of our Lord Jesus and the, and the ones that are, are writing the Bible by the unction of the Holy Spirit? Look at um, Philippians 3, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he just got done. We're not going to take time to read it, but he, he's going through and talking about his qualifications and where he's come from and his study and all this stuff. And he says this in verse 7, What things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. He said, I, I'm not counting any of the things that were in my life as anything. I, I'm counting them as rush, rubbish. In the CEV it says, but Christ has shown me that, one, once I, that what I once thought was valuable is worthless. 
It's actually not valuable at all. See, we're looking at where we're going as Christians and what's in our race and, and what we need to do. And like the Apostle Paul, he's saying, I thought these things were important, but I realized they were, they were worthless. He didn't even say they're just okay. He said they're worthless. Look at it the way it says it in the message. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is in, insignificant dog dung. That's what it really means is that's just nothing. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and, and be embraced by him. So when you look at what the word says, you look at what the Apostle Paul's saying, he's saying there, there really isn't anything important. What I thought was important, it's actually worthless. It's actually just not worth anything. I thought it was so important, though. Well, as we're walking through and we're, as we're running our race, the sooner we identify things that aren't going to be helpful, the better. The sooner we strip things out that aren't needed and that we're not distracted by certain things, the better, the more time we have to do what's really important that we'll look back on and say, I ran my race. I put my time where I needed to. I wasn't distracted by the wrong thing. I wasn't caught up in the wrong things. Because the things, the things of this world, they, they have uh, the ability to be a substitute for the things of God. And there's a very big temptation. It's not an obvious thing because we're surrounded in this world by all this noise, all this activity, and a lot of it is um, not necessarily godly. And just the normal stuff of life, it has the, the pull. Again, not even talking about something. Of course, there's sinful things, and that has a pull. But there's things that's trying to pull us in that's actually causing us to not have an appetite for the things of God and the things that are truly important. I'll give you an example like, you know, a, a comparison, an analogy. Not perfect analogy, because, but when you eat something, I mean, you can eat flat junk food, but if you eat something that's like, you know, sweet or salty or something that, you eat it when you're not at, like right before your meal. It, make, it, 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 it causes you not to be hungry for the actual food you need. 
you can, you know, you need, a, you, you feel like you want a snack, so you eat a snack. Well, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to actually eat my meal. You know what I'm talking about. You, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Well, what does that do? It displaces the hunger and the, the want for what you truly need. And if we keep, you could, but you could keep doing that. You could, you know, you wouldn't obviously recommend living this way. But the stuff that actually isn't going to have food value, you could eat it, feel like, I'm not hungry anymore. And then you're hungry and you could eat some more of that. And you're, what you're doing is you're pushing off the actual want for the stuff you actually need. Well, spiritual things are like that. It is so easy to be distracted and to be caught up perpetually with things that at the end of the day will not actually mean anything. Like less than worthless. Like you could go from thing to thing to thing. Again, I'm not talking about sin things. But just think about this. I think sometimes about just, the, just uh, again, okay, hesitate to say any one thing because we're not talking about, we're talking about things that aren't sin, all right? But, uh, so no condemnation here. But just think about the schedules of events that are publicly consumed, sports, or, and I'm not knocking sports whatsoever, but just think of how they come they don't all come in three weeks and then they're done for the year. There's this championship, these playoffs, championship is done. There's some other ones going uh, in parallel. And then this season's ending, and then there's this championship, and then there's this season, and then there's this season. And it, it, you get done, and it's like, oh, now, you know, if you're thinking, I, I have freed up that time. Well, yeah, but there's this other thing. And, at this, and if you cross, it's not just sports, right? Then, but then now it's summer. This season's over, but now it's summer. So now there's this pull to do this activity. This is the only time of the year I can do this, go to activities. Well, this, I can only do this in the summer. And, you know, New England summers are short, so I, I got to do that now. And then I get to the fall. Well, it's fall, so I got to see the leaves, and I got to do these. I got to go hiking. And, do, and then it's winter. Well, I got to ski. So, and then there, you inter weave that with all these other things. Again, not knocking those things. None of those things are evil. But if we go and we start being distracted, well, the kids have this activity now, but then they have this activity, and then, oh, but, you know, it's only a season. We got to get them involved here. You look up, like we talked about last, last week, and, and, you know, five years have passed. Ten years have passed. And, again, not saying those things in themselves are not evil, wrong, but if we step back and go, where am I going? What is my race? Was this helpful? Maybe they're helpful in a measure and they're okay, but they can't perpetually be taking away from what I'm supposed to do and what is truly valuable. And at the end of the day, that I'm running my race toward what God has for me and only I can answer that with Him. And that is actually time that I can't get back. And even though it's not evil, wasn't helpful. So at the end of the day, it did keep me from doing what I was supposed to do. So let me say it this way. The thing itself isn't wrong, but you doing it in the wrong proportion in the wrong time can be wrong. But it's deceptive because you're looking, this thing isn't wrong in and of itself. No, 
it's not wrong in and of itself. But if you do it in excess or too much or in the place of what we're supposed to be doing, it is wrong. And at the end of the day, it's not about, well, oh, you did the wrong thing, so bad you. It is, did I complete what I was supposed to do? Because that'll be the most important thing that we have when we show up, when we cross over and we show up before Jesus. It's going to be, did I complete what I'm supposed to do? Amen? Amen. It's not going to be these other things. And again, so we can, we can answer those questions with the help of the Holy Spirit. In passing, look at 1 John 2, verse 15. Praise you, Lord. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is in the world, but is of the world. The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So I just want to emphasize the first part of that. Do not love the world or the things in the world. You could say, do not hold them in too high of esteem. Hold the things of this world, the natural things, lightly. And hold spiritual things weighty, heavy. We ought to esteem the things of the Spirit and the things of God very highly, but the things of this world, eh, lightly. Because it's all going to be burned up. All the activities and that, well, I got to be at this concert. I'm willing to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to see this person on a stage with binoculars. Because I'm so far away. But it is the event of a lifetime. There's nothing wrong with going to a concert. But it shouldn't be the end all be all. of It doesn't. It doesn't satisfy, we know that, but it can't displace other stuff. Did you all see, did, did you all, anybody um, see these girls, these college girls in the Oklahoma uh, women's softball team won the, the women's world series, softball world series? And there was, they were interviewing them. It is awesome. I just like two or three minutes, go look it up because it just happened. They had three girls there and the coach... Shelly sent this out uh, to us, and I saw it. I was like, that is awesome. They're interviewing and what? how do you guys, you know, you guys always look so joyful, and they've dominated. They've won like three in a row. You know, how do you guys keep your joy about this? And this dude is just, he, he's acting like from, he's asking it from a natural perspective. Well, they're all Christians. And they, they answer it. They're, they're saying, well, you know, the only true way to have joy, I'm paraphrasing, is to know the Lord. And I mean, they flat out preached for three minutes. Each one of them followed up on the other one. They said, we understand. Yeah, there's so, it can't, we can't find it in a softball game. They're champions. But they're saying, we, there's too much adversity, too much that can go wrong. And, we un, and this girl's starting out speaking. I understand that the only way you can truly have joy. She said, happiness is like, you know, the world joy without Christ is just you're happy because of circumstances or because of outcomes. But when you have the joy that's in the Lord, you can be joyful regardless of what's going on. And so, thank God. She goes, I'm thankful we won. But if we hadn't won, we'd still have joy. 
and then the other one comes up and comes and follows her. I agree a thousand percent, and she starts preaching. And then the third one, anybody see it? Go look it up. Well, they got the right perspective. See, now they are doing what they believe they're called to do in the middle life, but they are being a light, and they're, they're, they know what the real thing is. They, hey, it's all about Jesus. This is a game. And she said, multiple times, they said, this isn't our home. She said, this isn't our home, so what we do here, it's, it's okay, but it's not ultimately to be a part of his kingdom is what is important. So they got their priorities right. And they're going on saying... If we, won, if we lost the softball game, we lost the softball game. We're thankful we won. But that's not, I, that is not what we love. The thing, the, the, the trophy is not, a, that's not what we got this trophy. That's it. And the one said it. We won before. And she said, before I found Christ, I got done. And it was, it was nice. It was cool. But I didn't know what to do the next day. She said, I didn't know what to do the next week because we won all of our work. We won, but didn't do anything because you're not running with Jesus in mind. And this is just secondary. And what I'm supposed to be doing is what he said I'm supposed to be doing. And you put it all into a love of the things of this world. We're not holding it lightly. We're saying it's everything. Well, when we're running, when we're, we're running our race, we got to be careful we don't start going, well, it might not be everything, but it's really important over here. And then this is important over here. And this is important. And all along, these things are having too much of a pull on us to where, see, it might not be an all-consuming distraction constantly, but there's always something distracting. See, Satan is really good. He's a deceiver, and he's really good at subtle, just pushing you off course. You know, it, it's okay if you don't, you know, just don't do it today, or go to do this thing today. You can do that other tomorrow. You'll do, you'll get it, get it done tomorrow. As long as you're not taking an action in the right direction today, he's fine with that, because today's all we got. Nobody ever did anything tomorrow. Nobody ever did anything tomorrow because when you get to tomorrow, it's today. So he's fine with you going, well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make that change tomorrow. Next week, in fact, I'm on it. Fine. Because when you get there, oh, I meant to, but this, this just started. I got I to gotta get there. I got to do this. I'm going to stop that. Yeah, but, oh, this just came up. No, I, I, we'll, do it. we'll do it next week, next year. Distractions and weights, they just have a way of stringing you along. <laughs> Everybody know what I mean by that? Stringing you along just a little bit, and then just the next thing, and then you think, oh, okay, but then the next thing, and then, oh, I'm done, but nope, there's a next thing, and then you look up, and it's been three years. That you were saying, I'm making that change. I'm not going to let that distract me anymore. I'm not going to let it push me off anymore. I am going to go after it until this came up today. So that's tomorrow. We're going to do it tomorrow. No, I'm doing it today. 
I mean, now I'm doing it tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes, yeah, we're, this is the day. But no, this came up, I'm sorry. But God is faithful. He will show us what we need to be doing, what we don't need to be doing. And again, you're not looking at somebody else. See, if you look at somebody else, you'd be like, well, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, or I feel like I'm supposed to be doing that, but they're not, so I'm good. <laughs> That's nothing. To, I'm doing better than them. Pride, and you're probably looking at it wrong, and you're just falling into another, another distraction. If you, can, if, if, if you have the thought, well, I'm doing good because so-and-so isn't doing it, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're not looking at the fence post. You're looking at your neighbor going, well, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You look up, and you're done. You're like, wait a minute. I was supposed to do this that whole time. I knew I was supposed to do this. But there was this, 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 and there was something that I maybe, they, they were talking about distractions, but also things I put on that I, I hindered myself because I took on stuff that wasn't for me. It was good, but I said I got to do this, this, and this, all good, but the fact is it's so crowded that I can't do the one thing that I'm supposed to do because I'm doing all these other things that they're all good. I, and I could feel like I'm helping, I'm helping, I'm helping. The problem is I can't move, so I can't do what I need to. I can't go the way, at the speed I'm supposed to. Let's close with this. Look at, real briefly, uh, Luke 8, verse 4. I'm not going to take, you could preach for weeks on this, but parable of the sower, just want to make one point here. Luke 8, verse 4 says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every other, or from every city, he spoke by a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Now that verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. Luke 4, 8, 14, just skip down, it describes this. It says, now the ones, the seed that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Describing something being choked, not in, and encumbered, by what is being allowed in, not necessarily what is actually, you know, there's other people that got it. They, they were able to get the word and go on and do what they needed to do. But these things were allowed to choke something out. So actually no fruit was brought to maturity because it never could get going. It wasn't just that somebody forced these things on them, it is something was allowed to come in that, allowed, that they weren't able to move forward with what actually needed to get done. Not, they were, they were enticed. They were distracted. They were weighed down. But God is faithful. He'll show us the right way. 
He'll show us the way through. He'll show us how in our life do it, and he'll help identify this thing. This thing is not helpful for you. I know you've seen three other people that have done marvelous things and they've done that, but for you, it's a way. Move it off now. And sometimes you'll have to do that and you won't be comfortable and it won't, it'll feel like, but there's no reason. Why? That's fine. Only you and God can make that decision. But if you'll yield to him, he knows the future better than you know the past. And he knows where you're going. And if you're looking at him and you know it's the Holy Spirit and you know it lines up with the word, then you can say, Lord, okay, at your will, I'm putting that away. That's hindering me. And there might be some things you know that they're hindering you. It's just that you like it. And not talking about sin. It's just you like it. But God's saying, look, put that aside. There's better things for you. There's things that are, you're going to look back and be satisfied and happy and joyful that you put that thing aside because the joy that what you're really supposed to be doing brings you is far surpassing what this other thing will bring you. Amen.